Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Duke Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello and good morning, my friends. Welcome to the program. It is hump day. That's right. Middle of the week, uh, downhill slide all the way to Firearms Friday. We can see it from here. Good morning and welcome to the show and thank you for coming on board and joining us. It is... uh, well, we got a jam-packed show for you today. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. In hour one here, we're gonna do just a couple headlines that well, we're gonna talk about a couple things, and then uh we're going to dive into it with uh Greg uh, um uh I'm sorry, uh with uh, Greg Merset, who is with Busy Kids. Uh and we're gonna talk about this new trend. I suppose I should turn all the lights on. Uh we're gonna talk about this new trend. Where apparently people are getting their financial advice from TikTok. Which, having watched a little TikTok every now and then, um, why? Why would you get your... <laughs> why? Why would you get your information? Anyway, we're going to talk with Greg Merced about that and get... Uh, maybe we can Maybe we can dig up an answer on something like that. It is, I mean... It's, it's kind of nutty. It's kind of nutty that you've got 79% of Americans who are aged 18 to 41 who are going to social media platforms just like TikTok for financial advice. And, of course, we all ask the question, why? Why? Uh, we'll talk to Greg and see if we can get an answer as to what we need to do to try and help that out. Uh, that'll be in hour one. In hour two, State Senator Mike Shower will be joining us. And we'll be diving into it with him, getting all the details of the latest things that are happening in the session and where we go <clears throat> from here. So that's the uh, that's the plan this morning as we get ready to uh, crack into it. So I hope you're going to stick around with us and enjoy um, uh, enjoy the uh, enjoy the, the train wreck. It's not a train wreck. It's it's. It's good stuff here. We're about to have we're about to have good fun stuff. Uh, all right, so let's get into some of the uh, let's get into some of the headlines and uh, talk about some of the things that are happening around the state because oh man, there is some crazy stuff. First and foremost, um, I guess we should report on what uh, the NTSB pulled up on that Alaska Airlines flight, um, which <clears throat> it just. I I don't even know what to say at this point. Um, Seat belts were fastened. Exit doors were closed and armed. But apparently the door plug bolts in the mid fuselage uh, plug, the middle entry point plug, may not have had bolts in them in the holes that were drilled for them, the door plug. 
Inspectors of the NTSB took a look at the door, which was recovered from the ground after it fell out. Um, it was uh, fell out into somebody's back garden. It was found in a residential garden southwest of Portland. Um, and they uh, took a look at it and discovered that it looks like that uh, the bolts were just not there. They had never been. Overall, the observed damage patterns and absence of contact damage or deformation around holes associated with the vertical movement arrestor bolts and upper guide track bolts in the upper guide fittings, hinge fittings, and recovered aft lower hinge guide fitting indicate that the four bolts that prevent upward movement of the mid-exit door plug were missing before the plug moved upward and off the step pads and out into the ether. That it was a 19 page report <clears throat> was issued uh, a month and a day after that January 6th midair accident that happened uh, with the Alaska airline flight, after which, of course, they they grounded all 737 MAX 9 jets uh, uh, around the country. As of Tuesday, more than 90 percent of those jets were in the air. They go on to describe <clears throat> how. Um, um, <laughs> how explosive the decompression was in that. And they don't talk to it about from the passenger's point of view. They talk about it from the flight cabin, the flight crew. They said uh, the, the captain of the of the craft reported that climbing through 16,000 feet, there was a loud bang. Their ears popped. The captain said his head was pushed into the heads-up display and his headset was pushed up, nearly falling off his head. The first officer said her headset was completely ripped off of her head due to the rapid outflow of air from the flight deck. Imagine what it was like sitting right next to that. I mean, I'm just saying. I, I'm not trying to make anybody, you know, but wow. So there's a House committee meeting today in Washington, D.C., where the FAA administrator that was yesterday said his agency is closely scrutinizing Boeing after the production, uh, the most recent incident. The FAA is going to have more boots on the ground monitoring production and manufacturing activities. Now, Spirit Aerosystems, which is a subcontractor and a subsidiary of Boeing, has taken the fall for this whole thing. Um, <clears throat> they have taken responsibility for the blowout. Um, which uh, has raised some potential questions. Spirit, by the way, depends almost exclusively on Boeing for its business model, and uh, it is uh, the 727 MAX production has come to a pause. So they are obviously in some deep trouble. The FAA is engaged in a nose-to-tail, wingtip-to-wingtip inspection. That's a quote of the 737 MAX process in the Renton, Washington factory and at Spirit Aerosystems in Wichita, Kansas. But um, it's not a good look. I mean, that'd be like, you know, we're, we're putting the, we put the wheels on the car, but we just didn't put the lug nuts on it. So we forgot. I, <laughs> I would just think that maybe you should, uh, oof, man, that's, that's insane. That is just crazy. Um, and this, this aircraft had only come off the factory floor in October. So for three months, it flew around and did flights every day with no bolts in the door. So, you know, I guess we're lucky. We're lucky it didn't do something more catastrophic. Um, but you got to ask questions like um, what, uh, what, what, you know. Anyway. <clears throat>
You just you just gotta you gotta pay attention to what's going on there. And uh, I don't know is the inspection process from Boeing. I mean, it was a three month old aircraft. I can't imagine that they're ripping open the interior paneling and checking stuff uh, in that first three months. Um, so I don't know how much Alaska Airlines has any kind of culpability in this. When you got a brand new, ain't nobody broke the leather except for you aircraft. You would think that uh, you would think that they would know uh, what's going on here. But uh, anyway, so that's the big news there. Um, the uh, the Anchorage School Board put up a uh, put up a, a new budget, six hundred twenty one million dollar budget, uh, of which they said, um, <clears throat> uh, of which they said, uh, you know, that's going to heavily rely on their mer- emergency savings. Now, David. Um, uh, David Boyle, who has uh, been on the program several times as a friend of the show, he's got an article that talks about the analysis of, you know, what they're doing and where the money is coming from and what they have available. And, you know, there's just not a lot of deep dive reporting on this. The story that I'm reading from, there's a story in the ADN, but there's also a story. Lauren Maxwell over at KTUU, the Alaska's news source, has got this article up. And it's interesting how they... They talk about spending $71 million from a savings account that's generally reserved for emergencies, but she doesn't talk about the particulars of the, that uh, fund is that account is actually overfunded right now with one-time monies. David has talked about this specifically in his, uh, um, in his, uh, 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 in his article. Uh, that it's got, uh, you know, way more money than it's supposed to. They have $96 million in that account or something like that right now. Um, and how they're going to balance this budget using $71 million from that account. In addition to that, the district will spend about $25 million, about a quarter of the total one-time funding approved by the state to pay for operational and capital needs. And, of course, as usual, for maximum pain, the district has decided it's going to put on the chopping block their gifted and talented program. The Ignite program is what they call it. And uh, <clears throat> they're talking about cutting uh, teachers and things like that for, you know, for that. If you don't think that gifted and talented teacher or parents are going to be the most, the most engaged parents amongst school teachers or amongst school children, you, I mean, come on. That's exactly what they're what again maximum pain points right that's always what they're going for. Well, let's just cut the gifted and talented program and now we can endure five hours of testimony from gifted parents from the parents of gifted students who are going to be criti- of course they're going to be that is the number I mean you could have found a lot of other things maybe to do and to cut although the article in the ADN basically says um, They quote Dr. Bryant as saying, the fat is gone. We've torn into the muscle. Um, And this all, of course, lays out to the point that they're basically talking about how we're just the flat state education funding is what's causing this whole thing. Nothing else. Nothing else. Well, rising inflation, increased cost, but most importantly, according to the district, flat funding from the state. Which I think tomorrow we're gonna I'm gonna try and see if we can get um, Kevin McCabe on. He's got an article that he wrote about a week ago uh, that actually highlights the fact that the 
that it's not flat funding from the state. The state has not been flat funding education. The the base student allocation number has remained relatively flat, but they've been funding education all along. But see, never let a crisis go to waste. Never let a crisis, you know, the, just spin this stuff up, spin it out into something that it's potentially not. Um, anyway, it's a so, but I, again, $621 million for, this, for the district school budget. They're already looking ahead to the coming fiscal year already. You could see how this is going to work out as well. 25-26 and 26-27 budgets will not have the same amount of savings to pull from, which is true because, again, some of that was one-time funding that they had to spend or they would lose it, and it's going to be gone anyway. Uh, but they said if that's the case, it could, combined with other factors, lead to the cutting of over 1,100 positions. Let me just remind you that from what our discovery from yesterday, that if you had to be paying for your child's education at the state level right now, you would have to have a 6.7% income tax just to pay for just education, just education alone. Okay, um, we got to go. Uh, we're going to be back with more. Greg Merced is going to be joining us here in just a hot minute. We're going to talk with him about um, this new disturbing trend. <laughs> I mean, look, I well, we'll talk about that here in a second. We're gonna we're gonna be back. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like, share, subscribe. Come on out, join us on Facebook and everything else. And uh, we'll be back with more right after this. Don't go anywhere. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Um, oh, man. Maybe someone on the school board is, is getting all their financial information from TikTok. Possibly. I mean, it just seems like this is some magical stuff. Oh, it's been flat funded for years. Let me show you this graph where in the last 20 years, the, the funding has increased by 35%. But I guess that's flat. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. I mean, but, you know, that's flat funding. 35% increase over 20 years. Flat funding. It's a new thing. Um, all right. Um, I'm just getting caught up real quick here. I can see that Greg Merced is in the green room. Uh, where he is enjoying my virtual donuts and my virtual coffee, which have no calories, by the way. Just want to point that out. Uh, we're going to be over to him here in just a second. Um, I'm just looking through the comments here to see if there's anything. Um, <laughs> wow, Bill is in Bill is in rare form this morning. Okay, um, Harold says this is just for a bit of perspective. When he was in school finance, the entire spend across the state was $650 million. And now we've got the Anchorage School District alone, which only has, I mean, what do they got? They've got 
70,000 students or something. $651 million for that. I, I, but I'm just starting to, you know, um, I'm just starting to lose my mind over that. Okay. Shelly Shoup says, I'm feeling super blessed to be joining the 6 o'clock club two days in a row. See? See how easy it is? You just got to get up when that alarm goes off. I know there's some days when I don't want to either. I'm with you on that. But you're all members of the 6 o'clock club right now, which is the just the, it's the bragging rights. The bragging rights. Cindy says, it's my daughter's 22nd birthday today. Happy birthday to Cindy's daughter. Tell her I said happy birthday. All right, we should go over here. All right, let's go check out here with uh, Greg and see if we can get him uh, all squared away. Make sure his audio is working and uh, and everything else. Oh, he's much better looking than I am. That's really a shame. All right, let's go no, over here. this is not true. <laughs> Good morning, sir. How are you this morning? That is qu- that is quite the beard. I've been trying to grow a beard for a week just to be on the, your show, with oh. you, and it didn't work. Well, you know, this is a, this is about this is about seven days worth of growth. So don't worry about it. I am a freak of there nature. So wow. no, it's wow. uh, okay. I lied. It's not out really, but I can grow a beard in about ten days. So it's a, it's one of those things where this is just laziness essentially because I just hate to shave all the time so that's what it's all about um i'm, being, I'm gonna be on with santa claus this yeah is amazing exactly exactly just to the north pole let so. me let me curl the let me curl the stash and oh, 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 oh. have you been oh a good goodness. boy greg oh i'm so glad to see you <laughs> not really uh yeah exactly well greg merced is our guest and he's going to be uh joining us to talk about this trend which i quite honestly find a little troubling um and we'll uh, we'll discuss that uh but greg uh looks like yep we're gonna be good that's what it's gonna look like i'm just checking everything to make sure we're good i'm gonna put you back in the green room we're gonna rejoin the uh radio here in about a minute and 20 seconds uh while we're okay. talking uh while we're talking if you hear the ringside bell sounds like a bell in a boxing match that means I mean, during the commercial break, that means we're about to rejoin the radio. So if we get talking and the bell goes off, we've got 30 seconds before we return. I'm just giving you the heads up there. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's great. And, and uh, Mike, how long are we going to do this? We're going to do this right to the top of the hour. Top of the hour. Yep. So, so okay. 36 right. minutes, 35 minutes, something like that. As long as, as long as I'm not holding you up, we're good to go. Uh, <laughs> we're good to go. Uh, okay. All right. Well, I'm going to put you back in the green room. Enjoy those donuts while you're there. Okay. Yeah. Don't eat all the ones with sprinkles. Those are kinda, my favorite. Kind of cheap over here. I know. Yeah. It's kind of sad, isn't it? But uh, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Hold the line. We'll be right back to you. All right. Uh, Greg's back in the green room, and I'm getting caught up. Um. Um, okay, that's it. I guess, I guess that's, uh, I guess that's it. Parents should supplement school funding based on a sliding scale. It should not be based on taxpayers as a whole. Gifted kids shouldn't be anywhere near public schools. I mean, if I had a gifted kid, it'd be, it'd be a learning pod. It would be a teacher share. It would be a homeschooling situation. I wouldn't trust them to the Public school system, as far as that goes. All right, here we go. Jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's do this thing. Here we go. Now. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke Show. Pain in the what? I mean, what? Come on. That's not true. I'm a perfect angel. Just ask my mom. Just ask my mom. I'm a perfect angel. 
All right, we're jumping into it here. Hour one continues, and we're talking about this disturbing trend. Now, look, I'm a guy who, if I need to fix something, first place I go is like, YouTube, right? Washing machine breaks. I go to YouTube. What's what's the code? What is it? How do I have to do it? Do I have to solder? Do I have to cut? Do I have to splice? Whatever. Great. That's what I do. But if I'm looking for financial advice, I don't think I'm going to go to TikTok. I mean, I might go to YouTube to talk, listen to some people who've got some, you know, some maybe some PhD numbers behind their name and all that stuff. But I ain't going to Facebook or YouTube or something like that or uh, or TikTok. But that seems to be a disturbing trend. Greg Merced is the CEO of uh, Busy Kid, and he joins us this morning to talk about this because 79%, just think about that number, 79% of 18 to 41-year-olds are getting their financial advice from places like TikTok, and you wonder why we're having such a problem out there. Good morning, Greg. How are you? <laughs> good morning, TikTok. That's a good place. That's a, that's where all the great minds hey, coalesce. Exactly. That is like a <laughs> Mensa meeting in space, right? I mean, that yeah, is the whole deal. Um, but this is, I mean, you know, this is a this is a troubling time. Why aren't we teaching our kids and teaching uh, the, you know, the, the, it seems like we're more interested in some kind of social construct or some other kind of idea to teach kids instead of some of the basics of not only reading and writing and arithmetic, but maybe personal finance, how to balance a checkbook, you know, how, what we should be doing for savings and, you know, kind of being good with our money and all these kind of questions. What's going on, Greg? What's going on is we're not learning the things that we'll actually use in our life, in our life. You know, even, even back in the day when I went to high school, I, I took French. I haven't spoke a word of French since. And it didn't help me. Um, what we need to do is start teaching them stuff that they're going to actually use. And that is, how do I deal with money? Uh, everybody does it. Everybody has to do it every single day. And so I don't get it. I don't know why we're not doing it. And let's be real, even if we were doing it, okay, let's say we were just killing it in school when it comes to teaching kids about personal finance. They've got to like know how to do it because they've practiced it. If you want to get good at basketball, you're not going to go watch a million YouTube videos. I mean, you might, but then you're going to go out and you're going to go shoot some hoop, right? You're going to you're going to practice. You're going to you know dribble. You're going to do all the things. If if you're going to learn about piano, you can watch some YouTube videos and get inspired. But at the end of the day, you got to sit down and bust it out and practice. Right. It's the same thing with money. Right. So you got to you got to practice. You can have all the theoretical knowledge, but you have to have practical experience to back it up, right? You can know yeah, all the absolutely. numbers, you can do everything. You've got to train the body, you know, like you're talking about the basketball. You can learn the technique of the dribble or the pass or whatever, but you mm -hmm. can't really know it until you apply those principles. And that's uh, you know, that's something that we've missed. I mean, Bingo. when yeah. I was when I was going to school, a million years ago, um, you know, I was going to make a smart out comment. You were going to make some smart. Hey, don't worry about it. We, the, everybody beats me up. It's okay. No, but I mean, you know, look, uh, it was, I mean, I went to school in the eighties, right? So, I mean, this is, this is not a, this is not a, those, a big, those were good times. Those were good times. Those those were good, good times. times. The balloon, you know, the, the balloon pants, the parachute pants and the thing. Uh, anyway, you probably didn't even tie your shoes and they kind of barely hung on your face. Oh no, man. I had con, I, I yeah, I had converse. I mean, those were the things we, that was, we did tie our shoes. That was important. And our pants okay. were up around our waist. So that was the important part. 
But I mean, I did. I, I took home ec class. I took home ec class because I wanted to learn about some of that stuff. I knew that those would be things that were important. Yes, I mm-hmm. sewed a project. Yes, I cooked some food. Uh, but they didn't have like a personal finance class. They didn't have a class on, you know, how do we balance our checkbook and what's the power? And, and if we want to retire, what should we do for? And, you know, that was not something that I got from my parents either. And so when I was a young adult, I really struggled. I got a little bit from my folks, but not that full rundown of here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to do it. You know, put some away, do this, do that. And, uh, you know, so for the first 10, 15 years of my adult life after I got, I got married pretty young. I got married at 20. Um, that we struggled. We had some real hard times. We were, you know, we had some, we had some financial challenges and defaults and bad payoffs and everything else, just struggling, trying to make ends meet. And it wasn't until I was probably in my forties that I started to really kind of get a handle on that. I mean, if I had come right out of the gate at 20 years old with a good handle on it, I mean, I could, I mean, I'd probably be set right now for retirement, right? I'd probably be good to go. So, I mean, what should we be doing, uh, Greg? What should we be doing? Greg Merced, by the way, CEO of Busy Kid is our guest. What should we be doing, Greg? Well, I mean, I always say you got to get your kids busy doing something that actually matters in life, right? Instead of just scrolling uh, endlessly and watching reels on TikTok, you got to get them some practical application of this stuff. And it's actually not that hard. Okay, so what you do is you give your kids some chores around the house, you make them work, right? Get out there and, and you know, when you're in Alaska, you're shoveling the snow. Seems like a great job to, <laughs> to give them. The, the last right? three weeks, especially, we got 111 <laughs> inches of snow. I mean, it'd be nice if they, uh, yeah. well, no, I mean, that's, that's since, that's since the fall. But we, yeah, we got like 30 inches of snow in the last uh, 30 days. So, yeah. You're, ta- you're talking to a guy who lives in Arizona. Okay. So see, I don't think I'm you're going to see much of that opposite. down there. Yeah. You guys should shovel the sand out of the driveway. <laughs> That's right. So, so, you know, give your kids some chores to do, let them shovel the snow, let them, you know, do all the things that you think, you know, they need to do around your house, let them earn some money. And then I, I think the best thing you can do is let them get reinforced in their mind, a balanced financial approach. And what I mean by that is you don't just earn it and burn it. A lot of kids love that. They love doing that. They just spend it as fast as they get it. But what you have to do is teach them they've got to take a little bit of that money and save and invest it and learn what that means. Then they've got to give a little bit of it away. I know that seems counterintuitive, but teach them that the world is a bigger place than just them. And then you let them spend the rest and you let them spend it digitally because that's exactly the world we live in. You said a few times today, you know, I wasn't taught to balance my checkbook. Kids these days don't even know what a checkbook is. And and, and, <laughs> and all of us as adults, we don't even write any checks anymore. Right, right. You know? I write like two a year and it's to the IRS. It makes me mad. But that's it. <laughs> so so the whole thing has completely changed, right? We've It's all been digitalized. It's all been, you know, what I call invisible money. The kids can't even see it anymore because we don't carry it around per se. We don't have a big wad of cash in our pockets or coins. I mean, who has coins? to put in an old school piggy bank anymore. No one. So we got to just change the way we do this. So teach them every time they earn, that's what they do. Save and invest, share, and then spend. And if, if they can do that reasonably, they're going to all of a sudden be pretty good at this. And, uh, and you're going to be surprised. Well, and I, and I think that's, uh, that's something that I've, I've endeavored to do better with my children 
is at least, you know, and, and they all have savings now, which is good. They've all got savings. They've all, you know, given to causes and they've all done that. I've tried to do that, but it is a struggle, especially in nice. today's society. I mean, it is a struggle mm-hmm. because, like you said, the the impetus is to uh, get that money and spend it on the thing that I want. Instead yeah, of, you know, of there is no delayed gratification. There is no anything like that. And that it is a it is definitely a struggle for a lot of folks. And especially yeah. when we're not getting any help from, uh, you know, well, I mean, I homeschool all my kids, so I can't blame the brick and mortars. It's all on me here. But those that do have kids in brick and mortar schools, that, I mean, they're not getting much help in that. Right. And I think a parent who, you know, naively thinks, oh, I'll just they'll, I'm sure they'll pick this up in school. Like, that's just. Like, like I said, even if like you have the amazing teacher who's really teaching that stuff, you still need to have the practice involved. So um, don't like think that that's going to happen because it's probably not right. You have to be the one who says, I'm taking the, the bull by the horns here and I'm going to teach my kids this. And it, once again, it's not that hard. Um, you just got to get in a, in a kind of a rhythm. Uh, I think another thing that parents can do that it's really f- super easy, honestly, is be more transparent with your kids. Gone are the days where if you shield them from everything, life is gonna be wonderful. Like, I think that's not the right way to do it. You need to let them know how much all this stuff costs that you're paying for. You know, next time you go out to a dinner, let them help you figure out the tip and the bill. And they're gonna be like, oh, wow, it cost us $80 to go to dinner. I, I haven't earned, you know, it take me three weeks to earn $80 or whatever. Um, or when the electric bill shows up, you know, or the heating bill, you know, in the middle of winter in Alaska, <laughs> like let them help you pay it. And they're going to realize, wow, this is hundreds of dollars every month. And this happens every month. These are like easy things that you could do as a parent, just be more transparent, let them know what things cost. And that's going to like kind of jar their, their, you know, desire to like get with it because they realize what's coming down the tracks at them is a whole bunch of bills and they better learn how to like be better with money or they're going to be in big trouble. So just be transparent, super easy and helpful. Where are you taking your kids to dinner that it's only $80? I mean, is that like Denny's or something? I mean, what the heck? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? We're so cheap. But listen, I've got six kids. So, you know, anytime you, you take, you know, anything times eight, Oh, I'm with you. I'm with You're you. In I, trouble. I had five kids, so I mean, I. Oh was, my! Well, yeah. yeah, you know. So yeah, anytime you go to Denny's and it's a hundred dollar bill, I mean, easily, yeah. you know, it's it's one of those things. Um, so yeah, it's it's rough. Um, so it, it, let's talk for a minute here. How much time I got? Let's talk for a minute here about uh, the 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 patterns and you laid it out. Uh, busy kids, uh, talk a little bit about what you guys do and how you help parents um you know set up these kind of uh these kind of teaching patterns or these kind of uh systems sure. that allow kids to you know get into that so we've built the ecosystem you just have to use it so uh, literally we have an app that teaches kids these exact principles it's uh, it's all technology of course driven helps them understand invisible money uh, it's a platform where you give your kids chores. We, we have a whole pre-populated list of them, but you can add custom ones if you want. Um, you give them those, they do those. Every Friday, you're gonna get a notification from us and says, hey, ding, 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 it's payday. And uh, this is what you owe your kids because this is what they've done. And you can just tap one button and it approves that payday. We pull that money from your checking account into our system. And then we automatically take that money and do that magical thing where we divide it into those three areas for you. 
yeah, into the save and invest and then into the share and into the spend. Boom, it happens automatically. And then kids can start learning about investing by literally going in there and, and buying stock, learning about that and, and having some of that so that they can think, wow, you know, I own a little piece of that company and they start learning about dividends and all these little things that they learn along the way and they learn it by doing it. And then we have over 50 charities that they can give to and learn about philanthropy. And then in the spend, we give them a Visa card and they understand how they can go out and spend on their own. They can swipe, they can buy stuff, and then they can feel that pain when they do something dumb <laughs> and buy something <laughs> that they shouldn't have bought. Right. Like, that's how they learn. So right. we've set it all up for you. You just got to run with it. Well, and imagine if a kid who was, you know, started something like this at, you know, eight years old and after 10 years and they hit that 18th birthday and they've got a small investment portfolio. They've got a savings account. They've got all that oh. kind of stuff and, you know, what that yeah. prepares them for. Uh, I mean, yes. I wish I wish I had had something like that when I walked out and I had, you know, a significant amount of money in savings and a, and, and, and a practical application of how that worked. So um, exactly. And what do you think they're going to do when they get their, you know, quote, real job, you know, maybe post college or, or during or whatever, and they have a 401k option, they're going to be like, aha, I know what this all means. And wait, there's a match. That's amazing. Because my parents have been matching my uh, savings. Uh, as I've been growing up too. we modeled that too, we literally have a, a feature in our app that you can just tap on and it's savings match. You can do it 25 cents on the dollar, 50, 75, 100. Like that's exactly what a 401k does. So, so they're going to know how to do it. And they're so you're like, incentivizing that just like I milked my parents. That's right. <laughs> I'm incentivizing my kids to save more by giving them a 25 or 50% match on whatever they're sure. You get a $10 a week allowance, but I will give you a $2 bonus for your savings if you put it in there. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I know, like that. Right? I think that's a, I think that's a great, uh, great idea. Greg Merced is our guest. He is the CEO of Busy Kids. Uh, which is an app to help your child learn about uh, finance uh, from a very young age. And I am, uh, I'm excited to uh, continue this discussion here in just a moment. We'll be back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. Don't forget, in Hour 2, State Senator Mike Schauer joins us to give us an update on the session and what's going on down there. We'll be back with more right after this. Don't go anywhere. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, Greg Merced is our guest. Yeah, somebody had asked, how many, does this guy even have kids? And he's like, yeah, six kids. That kind of, uh, <laughs> that, uh, so tell us about the, you know, did you, are you the founder or you, did you start Busy yeah. Kids? At, yeah, I started Busy Kids. So I was, uh, I, I'm a certified financial planner and have been for over 20 years. And so what I, what I did is, I, you know, I managed people's money. I, I did a bunch of benefit work. I did lots of things with it, mainly business owners. And I started picking up on something. And these people were successful for mainly two, two reasons. Uh, the reasons were number one, they worked really hard. And number two, they were smart with their money. 
And so I thought, huh, how do I get those two kind of fundamental things into my kids so that they can become successful and leave my house and never come back, right? Except to visit. Please, I like, God, I please. I like when they visit. Please, God, please. <laughs> <laughs> know, right. So, uh, so that's exactly, so I set out to build it and I thought, okay, that's what we've got to do. And we've got to do this in a very balanced way and ba -da 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 -da. And next thing you know, you put a guy with six kids and a CFP in a blender, this is what you get is busy kid. Now, I mean, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant idea. I mean, this isn't something, I mean, this is something that parents could do on their own, but you've already, you know, why reinvent the wheel? Because you've already got it all laid out and, and, uh, and out there. Um, I'm assuming yeah. that the intake process for the kids is pretty lengthy and it's got a lot of explanations and, and they get to choose and flexibility, you know, give me, maybe he can turn his sound up. I've got his sound turned all the way up folks. So I don't know if, uh. Uh, if uh, Greg can turn his uh, volume up a little bit, I've got him turned up to the maximum. To the max. I'll start talking louder. How's that? Is that there, better? That's a little bit better, I think. There you go. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, they. I think that this this would be great. I mean, because you're essentially doing what I did with my kids, only it was a lot more difficult because I basically set bank accounts up for each of them, and then I transferred the money every month. And they, you know, mm -hmm. but but yours seems to have a little bit more structure. And uh, it also holds them a little bit more accountable because I've encouraged them all to have savings and they've done it. But I know that sometimes they don't put as much into savings as I had told them that they should put into savings. So this kind yeah, of gives of them course. a little bit more accountability, right? Yeah, I think so. And, it, you know, it, it, there's some accountability factor, but there's also an ease factor for the parents, right? Because it's a pain in the neck to, to deal with all that. And I remember when I started with our kids, like I had the spreadsheet on our refrigerator okay this is what you're supposed to do all that and then we'd run out of toner <laughs> or ink in the printer and then i wouldn't have it up for three months and it's just a total pain in the neck right so now it's just a matter of let's leverage technology so that we can teach these kids in a way they're already they're already good at this they already know technology they're good at apps they're good at this stuff it's their world um, and so leverage that make it easy for you as a parent and make it engaging for the kid and boom, you get somebody who's motivated. I, I mentioned, like, like you mentioned, I got a bunch of kids. Five of those have already left the nest and all five of them ha that have left have had more than $10,000 saved up before they left. Like that seems mind blowing to me. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I wasn't paying them $200 to wash the car. Right. That's for sure. No. Because I'm a total cheapskate. So they learn, they understand this stuff and then they go get jobs and then they keep doing it. And the next thing you know, it's like, dang, they know what they're doing. Uh, and this is really a beneficial thing. And it changes their life, really. They're going to college. They're not getting in a ton of debt. Um, they're, they're being able to pay for tuition and, you know, all the stuff. Like, that's exactly what we want. So start early, let them practice all the time, and they get pretty good at it. Do you guys have a website, I'm assuming? I didn't ask that ahead of time. Yeah. I should have. It's, it's just busy kid busykid.com and yep. I'm assuming you could find the app in the app store or whatever and, yep. and do all that kind of stuff um, exactly right what how long have you guys been doing this Greg what's uh, See, what we we've been doing this a little over three years and uh, and changed a lot of lives I I think and uh, 
And it, we're given that powerful tool to parents who are flip-flopping around because let's be real, a lot of parents aren't actually very good at finance themselves. Oh, hey, I mean, hell, hello, hello. Did I? Not, did <laughs> right. you not hear the first part of my story? I mean, yeah, we exactly. struggled. I mean, when my wife and I first got married, man, it was a struggle because I was a hot mess. She was kind of a hot mess. And between the two of us, we, you know, we muddled mm -hmm. through, but man, it took us a long time to get uh, to get on track to the point to where we weren't, you know, absolutely struggling and, and, you know, on the verge of defaulting on everything all the time. It was just, it was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. It really is brutal. And, you know, the, the way we kind of set kids up these days is, you know, shield them, keep them in a bubble, uh, don't teach them anything. And then by osmosis, they're going to be really good at this when they're 20. Like what? <laughs> that doesn't work and so we've got to change that whole thing and you know we've got over a trillion dollars in credit card debt what um i know well and that if it, is not sustainable and if our kids are doing nothing but learning from like you know the u.s the u.s congress or somebody that's yeah you know they they're not learning real world practical things from uh from our you know elected leaders so to speak so no 34 uh, trillion in national but, debt okay oh, that seems sustainable 1.2 trillion dollars in <laughs> debt service payment this coming year 1.2 oh. trillion yeah, i mean it's that, like that's 12 zeros uh, like, i can't even what all right here we go we're jumping back yeah. into it greg Merced is our guest the michael duke show common sense liberty base free thinking radio like share subscribe ring the bell let's do it the michael duke show not your daddy wait sorry not your daddy Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio <laughs> Whew, i was scared for a second Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. That's right. Not your daddy. Although my daddy is in the chat room hanging out with us today. So hi, dad. How you doing? Um, welcome back to the uh, program. Uh, the Michael Duke show continues. Greg Merced is our guest. He is the CEO of Busy Kid, which about three years ago got started uh, helping parents to teach their kids you know, how to be financially successful, how to uh, leverage the power of uh, compounding interest and how to be smart with their money. Uh, Greg said, uh, you know, he's got six kids. And you were just saying during the break that when each of your kids left home, now I'm assuming you didn't start this while they were kids. You started it. I mean, they were, you know, they were about ready to leave because you said most of your kids are out of the house now. Although, yeah. I don't know. Is the Fountain of Youth actually in Arizona? Because you look like you're about 25 and you just said you've been doing <laughs> yeah, this for right. 20 years. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, so you did this on your own with your own kids before you started Busy Kid, right? You already had a yeah. system kind of in place. These are fundamental things, right? These are fundamental principles that you can teach them, at, you know, really at any age. And so, yeah, we've been doing the same thing over and over and over for a long time. And if they can get that balanced financial approach going, and not just blow everything they make, they're going to be in good shape and they're going to be really set up for success in the future. Um, and so I, I think it's really, it's, I know it seems so basic, but it's like practice makes perfect. Like it really does. Well, sometimes uh, the it, simplest things are, well, they're the simplest. They're not necessarily the easiest sometimes, right. but they are simple and it's a pretty simple thing. You just got to follow it along. You were saying that yeah. when your kids left and you said five of your six kids have moved out, but they all had what, $10,000 or more in savings when they, when they left. Yeah. And I think that that blows my mind, honestly. It's they, empowering. They... It's really, it's my, when my son left, the, when my son left, uh, he moved out here about six months ago and he was, um, 
he was worried, you know, of course, you know, the the safety net and everything else. But he yeah. had a chunk of money in savings and, and that made him feel good. He felt good about that. He's able to do it, go out and get his first place, you know, put pet first and last and security deposit down and do all that. And he felt good yeah. about it. You know, um, yeah. he, he didn't have ten thousand dollars, but he had a big chunk in there for him and he was feeling pretty good about it. So, yeah, imagine having ten or fifteen or twenty thousand dollars in your savings account at, at 18 years old and being able to go out and face the world. That takes a lot of the pressure off. Totally. It takes a lot of pressure off. And it also, you know what it does. It's, it's a funny thing. If, if your kids kind of get into this groove, um, they, they, I don't know if they become cheaper, but they become more cognizant of what's going on. Right. And so our deal with our college kids is they, they, they pay their tuition. We help with their housing a little bit. And, um, boy, they are cheap. Next thing you know, they're looking at those scholarships and they're researching those things. Sure. And they're really understanding that. And I think that's fantastic. When they're on the hook for it, they're going to be smarter. And, right. and so this is a great way to do it. Is And then they're, you know, well, maybe I'll take these online classes and take this community college to do some of these generals. All of a sudden, they're pretty scrappy. And that's what we want. And then they're not into, you know, debt up to their eyeballs when they come out of college. Right. Like that's the key. And that's what this does is change all of that. Right. Well, it gives them the, it actually impresses upon them the value of money. It's not just stuff that comes in and goes out and they're constantly chasing it. Now they understand the value of it. So they don't become cheap. They become frugal. Become frugal. Yeah, frugal and smart. Frugal, yeah, that's right? Exactly right? I mean, language matters, Greg. So we got we can't say cheap because that's got the negative connotations. <laughs> yeah, they, true. Okay, they, all right. they are frugal, uh, which yeah. is not a bad thing. Um, I I have tried to be that way my whole life, and uh, and you know it it is it has paid off. It took me a while to get into the groove, but uh, you know it it has paid off uh, for that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And you know, when you think about a lot of these kids, they're watching YouTube and TikTok and whatever, and they see all these people who seem to have endless amounts of money and it's so easy. They're just like an influencer has this really posh life. Like this is a fraction of a percentage of people that, right. that do that. Right. So for the rest of us, like that is not reality. And when these kids grow up with that seeming to be the reality, that's a big problem. And we got to combat that with some realistic strategy and not just like, oh, yeah, just be an influencer one day and you'll have, you know, billions of dollars. Like what? Yeah. This no. is not how the real world works. It is. People. Yeah. The social media in that regard, especially with the influencers, is such a uh, it's such a slice of unreality. It is, oh. you know, it is. And it's and it really hurts I think it hurts the uh, the the esteem and the and the and the drive of a lot of these kids because they may start off trying to emulate some of that, but pretty soon they realize that's a far cry from where they're at, and then they get discouraged yeah. and everything else. and And I think it's good. Again, going to uh, um, going to uh, 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 you know something like this where they have seen what they've been able to do. It gives yep. them the self-confidence. And like I said, when they leave and they have, you know, money in the bank, it gives them that peace of mind. I know that once I started right. to have money in the bank, uh, especially as a young married family, you know, and we had all our kids at that time in the house and everything. But when I knew that there was money in the bank that in case the furnace blew up or tire or a car broke mm-hmm. down or something, that I had the money there. I mean, I slept better at night. The money was there. Cool. I didn't want to spend it, but it was there if I needed it. And that was a tremendous amount of pressure off. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And it just changes your, not only your health probably, but your mindset and the ability to do things, make better decisions. Like it's, it really sets, sets you up for success. And, uh, and it's, it's so important to get that into your kids early instead of them thinking, oh, I'm 16. I, I you know, I should be looking at a Louis Vuitton bag. Are you kidding me? Come on. This is not how right. the real world works people. Yeah. So put that responsibility on them early let the, set the expectations early, you know, Hey, just so you know, like, I'm not saving a ton of money for you to go to college. Like that's on you, you know, or whatever. I'm actually saving for, you know, retirement, not, not for that or whatever. And, and I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't help your kids with, you know, you know, uh, higher education or something like that, but put it, put a lot of that on them so that they understand the reality of the situation. I think right. it's good for them. Now there's busy kid. Do you have recommended levels? Like, I mean, are you paying them, uh, you know, you're paying them the new $20 an hour minimum wage to do something or is it, uh, <laughs> or are you, I mean, are you setting examples or what, what, uh, you know, or do the parents, this is all up to the parents to decide what, what how yeah. does this work? So we've tried to make it pretty flexible so the parents can figure it out however they want. But, you know, we have going rates for chores and stuff. And of course, you can edit them and you can change those if you'd like. But um, I, I'm a big believer in making that work money connection so that they don't just think the money shows up without doing any work. Because I've looked and looked and I haven't found a job yet that you can just sit around and do nothing and get money. So, hey, um, you're watching this show right now. Come on. Seriously, this is a... <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so make them do something, put that connection in, and every family is going to be a little bit different, right? I'm going yep. to think that some job is, you know, worth more than another, etc. So we made that flexible, and uh, and then and then they start understanding that connection, and it's really empowering to them, and especially when they think, well, shoot, I really want those shoes, I really want that skateboard, I really want to go to the movies. What can I do? Hey mom, hey dad, what can I do? Can I can I wash your car? It's like, oh, that's music to my ears. <laughs> right? right, exactly. That's what we that's what we want to hear. Right. Um, my question is, do you have a some kind of mid level thing in the app? Because this is what we ended up doing around my house. Because again, we homeschooled all our kids, and so they were all yeah. home every day and everything else. But I uh, I. <laughs> I used to randomly change the password to the Wi-Fi every day. And if you wanted the Wi-Fi password, you had to check off the list. And then once you checked off the list and you got back to me and said, okay, dad, I'm done, then I would give you the new password. So ah. it, see, that's an, that's something you should put into your app, right? You do certain things. We <laughs> like generate that. a new password for the, for the, uh, for the Wi-Fi. Uh, I so, like it. You know, good idea. We'll have to work on that with our development team. Yeah. See if you can get something like that. <laughs> or it's a random string. It generates a whole random string of passwords and you could just be like every day, just change it. Uh, but I mean, this is a fantastic idea because again, this is not something we're learning in school. I didn't learn it back in school 35 years ago. You know, kids are not learning it 20 years ago. We're still not learning it today. And when you see stats like that, which we started off the show talking about the stat of 79% of 18 to 41-year-olds are getting their financial advice from social media like TikTok, that's right. that's a problem. That's a, I mean, no wonder we're a trillion dollars in credit card debt. Right. I yeah. mean, that's a that's a whole thing. Greg Merced, CEO of Busy Kid. Uh, is there a cost to Busy Kid? How do we get set up? Oh, but what's give, give me the uh, give me the startup here. Yeah, there is a small cost. It's a it average out to about four bucks a month. So it's forty eight dollars a year. Uh, we, we allow you to put up to five kids. So you'd be good to go on that. Um, and, you know, like I said, get your kid busy doing something that actually matters in life instead of just scrolling his, his or her life away. 
Um, get them doing this stuff because it's going to set them up for success. And then they're going to be out of your house. They're going to be good, productive members of society. They're, you know, they're going to, they're going to be just really hitting it when it, where it really counts. And, uh, and I'm, I'm excited about this. I think it's, it's one of those things that you're right. They're not getting in school and parents don't really have the tools to do it. So let's get them the tools to, to make it happen. Busykid.com is where you go for the website. 48 bucks a year, that's nothing, uh, especially if I can have up to five kids on the same plan. That makes a lot of sense. And, of yeah. course, the app is available on the App Store or the Google Play Store. Busy Kid is what you're looking for. Uh, Greg Merced, final thoughts here, about 45 seconds. Give us your final, your final pitch. <clears throat> final thoughts. Parents, don't freak out about teaching your kids about money. It's actually not that hard. Um, and you just have to be, I would say, fairly consistent. You don't have to be perfect at this. You don't have to like know everything. Get in there, start understanding, investing by doing a little bit with your kids. Uh, start giving to charity if you haven't before with your kids and then teach them how this work and money connection is really happening. If you do that and you're fairly consistent, they are going to be successful at it yep. and they're going to be set up for success in the future like nothing else. So don't just Busy. think somebody else is going to teach this because they're not. Busykid.com. I posted links up in the chat room. Greg Merced, thank you so much. Hold the line for just a second. Folks, we're out of time. We got to go. All right, Greg, I'll give you the final bite at the apple here, man. I'll give you a couple minutes here. Anything else, anything we didn't hit on, things we missed or whatever else for Busy Kid or whatever? I know it it always goes fast. So, uh, <laughs> you know. No, you, you were great. Thanks so much. It, it was a pleasure to be with you today. And uh, and I just, you know, I'm a big believer in, in giving people what they need to succeed. And if, if, I always say, after you teach your kids not to steal and beat people up, you got to teach them how to manage their money because they're going to have to do it every single day of their lives. And if they get good at it, watch out. They're going to be great. Yeah. No, I mean, I think this is fantastic. I wish I'd seen something like this, you know, 15 years ago uh, when I was in the I middle. I hear that all the time. Yeah, when I, I was in the middle. Well, time. you know, you you found a need. You found a need that really there's no other, you know, buddy that's really putting something like this together. And since it's a complete turnkey program where they get their own credit card and they do all this kind of stuff and they have the investments laid out. And I'm assuming that yeah. there's a lot of teaching on your website about how these things work and everything. Yeah, but you know what? We don't emphasize a ton of like, you know, videos to watch and do all this stuff. Kids learn best by doing this stuff. They're going to learn best when they own a little Tesla stock, right? They, they learn how they, 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 they skin in the game. They got it. And they're going to watch that. They're going to learn best by donating to some cause because their cousin has autism or their, their grandma has cancer. They're going to learn best by swiping their card or bumping their phone and that money changes and disappears. And they're going to be like, shoot, right, right. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have bought that. Like right. that's where the rubber hits the road and that's where they actually learn. So ours is very hands-on learning by doing the practical application i think is the important part like you said the actual totally. you know they could download it you know i'm a science fiction fan they're always talking about downloading all that information into your brain so now you can fly a helicopter or whatever but which is great the information's there but you don't have the muscle memory you don't have the you know you have to put it into practice you have to you totally. have to integrate that information and this is how you do it this is a fantastic yeah. way so it's what you do Learn by doing. Greg, this has uh, been a great uh, time. I appreciate it. And I reserve the right to email you sometime in the future to talk about this again. 
Yeah, let's do it. It'll be fun. Okay. All try right. to try to uh, survive that cold and 111 inches of snow. Oh, it's warm now. It's uh, it's uh, 16 degrees now, so it's good. Oh, it was 28 <laughs> below here the other day, so it's. Uh, oh it's, my goodness. Yeah, you know. It's 60 here today, and I got a space heater. Yeah, I know. I saw the picture. Somebody posted a meme the other day from Florida where it was like, it was a newscast where the guy said, you know, cold temperatures, 55 degrees, dress in layers, don't let your kids go outside. <laughs> And it's like, meanwhile, in Fairbanks, and they got a picture of people in Fairbanks, Alaska, standing outside the sign at the university where it says 47 below, and there's people in their swimsuits posing in front of the uh, front of the sign, you know. It's so true. I mean, oh it's goodness. just, you know, it's, suck it up, buttercup. That's how it is. I know. So, yeah, I get it. All right. Well, Greg, thank Good you. To be with you. Thank you so much for coming on board. Appreciate it. Right. Uh, talk to Take you again. Care. Talk to you again soon. Uh, all right. Greg Merced, our guest here on The Michael Duke Show. I mean, that's brilliant. That's some brilliant stuff right there. I love that. Um, like I said, I wish that I had had some of those tools. I mean, I would have paid four bucks a month to have all my kids on something like that. Cause I did, I paid them, a, I paid them a, uh, uh, a, uh, an allowance and did everything else. Um, and I, I used to reset the password on my thing every freaking time. You know what? If somebody wants to find a need, fill a need, what you need is you need a secondary, you need a secondary setup on your Wi-Fi that just randomly generates a new password every day for the kids. You know, mom and dad should have access to a main password every day uh, where it's the same one, no problem. But you don't give the kids that password. You have a secondary setting on your router where it gives them, uh, uh, it gives the kids get a password and they got to ask the password for mom and dad. Yeah, that's what it is. That's, that's, that's what, if you want to find a need, that's what I need. I need a, I need a router that did that. That would be, that would be great. Uh, boy, it's, uh, it's, it's all good. Um, uh, my dad said, what? My dad always said I had an alliance, but I never saw, I don't know what that means. Don't know what that means. Uh, great guest, great, uh, great segment. Okay. Thank you. Um, I've never seen, been on TikTok. Is there something useful there? Uh, meh meh um is the deal um four bucks a month uh says harold for a wealth of info and practicing at being a participant in the economy a pretty good deal yeah especially if you've got five kids and you realize that's like 70 cents a kid by the time it's all said and done that's that's some good stuff um What's in your wallet? Our kids, our kids through television are being indoctrinated into believing they must have a credit card to succeed when in reality they just enslave themselves to the bank. I was very careful with my kids on that and how I made that work. And, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's hard because that's what they're taught. They're taught right out of the gate that they must have um, that they must have that credit card and they must be doing those things. Let's go over here. It sounds like uh, Mr. Shower is ready to join us. Are you there, sir? Um, hold on. Let me call you back. Apparently I can't hear you, sir. Let me call you back real quick. Uh, I'm going to call Mike shower here, uh, and see if we can get him, uh, squared away. Um, there we go. Let's do that. Okay. Let's see if we can get that put together. Hey, look at that. Now we can hear the ringy ring. How about now? Yep. You all ready? 
I'm ready. Okay. All right. We're going to put you on hold. We're going to jump into this. We got to go, folks. Please uh, like, share, subscribe, ring the bell. Uh, Less than half of you have liked the show today. Why? Why why do you not like me? Just do it, man. Just do it. All right. Here we go. Jumping back into it. Hour two, dead ahead, the Michael Luke Show. in its holster we haven't gone anywhere i don't understand check out the michael dukes show.com for information on how to get access to the podcast welcome to the party pal the, the michael dukes show the greed and the entitlement is astounding to me what more could you want from a low-budget radio program this is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello, my friends. How are you doing today? Welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show and it is the Wednesday edition of the program. Hump day, middle of the week, ready to go, downhill slide. Uh, which means, as normal, as per normal, we're being joined this morning by State Senator Mike Schauer, who uh, is coming on board to give us the update from what's happening down in Juneau uh, on his normal Wednesday time, and we appreciate him coming on board. So let's just, uh, let's not take any more time. Let's get down here. By the way, if you missed it, we just had a great interview with Greg Merced from BusyKid, BusyKid.com. It's an app for your kids to teach them financial responsibility. Well, it teaches them through practical application, financial responsibility. You should go back and listen to that or watch that. It was a great segment, especially for those of you who are worried about teaching your kids about how money works and savings and giving and all that kind of stuff. It was a fantastic, it was a fantastic deal. So go back and listen to that, but let's get into it this morning with Mike Schauer, who joins us right now uh, from an undisclosed, he does not like cameras. I don't know why, but he will not join us on the camera. He's he's just doing what I, I, I is it you just you laying in bed with a cup of coffee? What's going on? What's happening, my friend? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm camera shy. You know that. Yeah, just, just don't don't like to do it. Don't like to do it. Um, so what's what? what's going on, my friend? It's been uh, been a week since we talked. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of movement on a whole lot of stuff. I'm seeing a whole lot of more of the same. More hearings about how um, we've just been flat funding education and how evil we are and uh, and how we got this defined benefits thing. That's the only thing that's going to save us and all this other stuff. So I, I'll I'll give you the floor. Start off. What are what are we? What do you focus on? What's Mike Shower been doing this last week? Or what are we looking from? 
well um when you look at the amount of lobbyists that are here right now as you can tell my voice is a little bit cracking today so i'll be a little quieter <clears throat> so maybe a little bit under the weather but we've had a lot of the teacher uh you know teachers here there's some kids running around um been flooded with quite a few lobbyists from the school districts and it's really interesting to watch michael the amount of money that they seem to have no problem with like everything is fine the math simply does not add up but people aren't even flinching like i told you last week you know watch mark my words you're going to see the very people today that are talking about what's going to be a billion plus of spending they're not even flinching oh it's fine it's important it's needed it's for the children right and you're seeing that well i'm looking at this and going you know they have been complaining incessantly for years now seven eight years about how we can't afford the pfd it's supersized it's going to cause us to tax but we're going to spend more than that on the other side for government spending taking every penny of earnings from the earth the permanent fund and all the royalties and taxes everything and we're still going to have to tax and that's why the numbers matter the math is pretty simple and i'm going to keep harping on it mike because people need to hear it about a half a billion every five years or roughly because you know it's 100 to 125 million every year of, of already on the books increases you've got sb 88 which is defined benefits which is 70 to 100 million dollars a year they tried to you know laughably someone say on the floor oh it's cost neutral really the fiscal note you have says it's more it's not cost neutral and the new one coming out is probably going to say something different that may not be as optimistic so that's 200 plus million a year people some of the teachers stuff running around here mike have these buttons they're wearing 14 13 for the bsa increase mike that's about a half a billion dollars which education is already our most expensive now it's going to be way more than our most expensive state agency so add those numbers right there if you were to do the full bsa increase they're asking for plus that that's about seven probably in the ballpark of six to seven hundred million dollars of new spending plus half a billion every five years do the math five years from now that's about 1.2 billion minimum probably worse than that because you know like the arm board and others talking about it's like well they're using seven and a quarter percent <clears throat> for the assumptions on the the senate bill 88 which nobody else is using that kind of growth you know so if that doesn't pan out guess what more expensive right so thirty-seven thousand state municipal employees were looking to take back to this and you somehow think that's going to be cost neutral i mean what what world are you living in you know people that are saying that so do the math on it mike it's not affordable which means 10 years from now we're a approaching two billion dollars of new spending just with these things nothing else so the pfd is gone if they get their way to spend what they want when some of them try to tell you oh i support the pfd well look at the senate majority it's got people that said have traditionally said that you know they've tried to constitutionalize it that they said they support it but yet they voted for the budget they're voting for these bills there's no possible way, Mike, that these people in the Senate supermajority can say they support the BFD anymore because what they're supporting for spending will bankrupt us. Right. It will take all of the earnings 
every penny and you're still going to have to tax. And I'm not making that up, Mike. I'm using their own logic, their own words, because they've been telling us for years that if we keep spending on the PFD like we are with just normal government spending, and that was before all of this rampant, unsustainable spending they're suggesting, we were going to end up having to tax. So what that should tell you, Mike, is where we are headed right now is the government taking every penny for itself, nothing into the private sector, and we're going to have to tax an anemic state economy, private sector that is shrinking, which is what pays the bills, that and earnings from the permanent fund. So the private sector in the state is barely getting by. It's shrinking. We're going to add more taxation to it on top of it. You know, the municipalities are already doing it, right? Because that's something we've been looking at, a new thing, is the amount of tax assessors around the state that are increasing property tax values. In a lot of cases, well above what the market supports, what those houses and properties are worth. I had a constituent just call a couple of days ago and complained to me about that. Said his house was, I don't remember the exact amount, but what the assessor came back since 2022, the guy just bought the house last year or so, about a year, year and a half ago, has already gone up more than the value of his house, like 30% in a year. But yet the market is stable or actually decreasing where he's at. You know, so it's like, and that's happening down here in Southeast. We're hearing about it. There's some legislation possibly looking at to try to get things in line and go, what are you doing? You know, so why are the, why are they doing that, Mike? They're doing that because they need the money because the spending that they have been enacting, even at the local level is more than they can, excuse me, more than they can afford. So they got to get the revenue, the taxes. So when you look around, like how much blood can you squeeze out of the onion before there's nothing left? And that seems to be the path that we are now on full speed ahead. Black ice, sign ahead, we're going to break right there, bridge out, you know, and keep on going. I don't understand it. You have people up there trying to say, well, you know, I'm a Republican, I'm a, I'm a fiscal conservative. I'm like, where? Where have the fiscal conservatives gone? Democrats in the press conference and their majority press are trying to say that, well, they're the fiscal conservatives now because this is a fiscally conservative plan. I'm, I'm flabbergasted. How can you say that? How can yeah. you possibly say that? You keep that? using that You're word. I don't think it means what you think it means, right? I mean. I do not think this means what you think it means, Pepe. Oh, my goodness. Really? Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, so, especially especially in light of, I mean, just on the education front, I don't know if you saw that article from Bob Griffin. Um, uh, I did. You know, where he talks about right now in the 2021-2022 school year, last year, everything that they spent in Alaska was equal to 6.7% of all personal income. Meaning if we had to pay for that right now, if there was no if there was no oil money, if there was no permanent fund money, that every Alaskan would be saddled with a six point seven percent personal income tax just to pay for education, um, let alone the rest of the levers of government and everything else. Six point seven percent. And they want seven hundred million dollars more. I mean, they're spending two point six billion already. Now they want to. Sp- I mean, it's it. I it's it's insanity. It's actually closer to three billion, but yeah, um, when you include all monies, there's four different streams. I saw reading Dina Bishop's article um, on that, just kind of taking her 
you know, as the new commissioner of deed. Um, so it's closer to 2.9 billion. My chief of staff is breaking the numbers down because there's all those different pots. Point is between state spending, municipal, um, you know, federal money and the other stuff they've got, Mike, it's, it is a lot. And, um, you know, I go back to how, if we're going to increase BSA, how do we target it? Right now we're not. We're not targeting to school districts that might legitimately need the help, like say the cost of energy in the bush, because it is expensive out there, right? It's it's different logistics, getting food and fuel, things out there is expensive. But that's just Alaska. We have to deal with that. That's that's where we live. Um, and some school districts are doing better than others. But how how can we justify it? Just keep throwing money at the same system that gobbled it up over the last couple of decades, didn't give teachers raises, have Increase the amount of um, the support and administrative side, more new buildings like Anchorage. Anchorage is a 900 million, Mike, almost a billion dollars for Anchorage. And it's shrinking. And that same article, the one that Dina, or was put out by David Boyle, you know, the only conservative member of the Anchorage School Board, not a surprise these days. And he was talking about, for example, just one, for example, 43,000 students, they get paid for busing, for transporting all 43,000 students. They only bus 14,000. Follow the money, Mike. Where's the rest of it? Where is it going? Who's getting it? Where are they using the money? Back to we don't have the audits. We don't have a report from them because they don't want reports because we might notice that we're paying for things that are not being used for what they're supposed to be used for. How come they haven't been giving raises to the teachers throughout all that, Mike? How come we only check attendance once a year in October and we're not doing it, say, in March? So we get a better number for average daily attendance because that's different. That's a mean, that's a method that we use to determine how many students, right? That's not always the same. It's different in the bush. When PFD comes out, they had a, a small school district complaining to me in my office yesterday about that. I said, well, you have X number of students. I said, yeah, but it's actually more than that. And they were they were basically sort of kind of dissing the PFD that when it comes out, people go out and get drunk and do stuff. You know, you're like, well, here we go on that, that path again, right? Anti, you know, say an anti the PFD on that one because it's so terrible. But I'm like, but you want me to give, you know, thousands, you want me to dedicate all this money to just a few thousand state employees? Well, it's not just about the state employees. This is about our kids. I'm like, what good is it for our children if there's nothing left of a state for them to stay in once they graduate? They're well, all going to move somewhere else. In addition there's to no the fact economy that, here to work in. Yeah, especially in addition to the fact that the monies that they're asking for, there's no guarantee that any of that is getting into the classroom. Uh, there's no there's no mandate for that to make it into the classroom. They're going to use that for the schools and for the administrators and the janitorial and all the costs and everything else. There's no guarantee that any of that is going to make it into the uh, into the into the classroom with the kids. Well, that's what we said, right? That's part of our part about, or that's part of our push for transparency and accountability. How come they are so afraid to put us back to something that says, hey, um, we need to guarantee that, you know, a certain portion of this money is going to go to the teachers and the kids. Uh, it's too hard, too hard. Can't do that. Doesn't work. You know, that's kind of, you get all these really you know, some answers and there's some pretty arrogant people in here, Mike, some of them might've been in education about, they're always talking down to you. Like you just don't understand. You just don't get it. 
right? Oh, okay, I guess you're right. I'm, I'm not smart enough to understand that we could target money to the teachers and have a report from you, say, once a year that would show us how you're doing that. Uh, we can't do that. Um, right. No transparencies. We don't want to do that. We don't want to report back to you. We don't want to have a, a second attendance, daily attendance count. Right. To get a more accurate number. So nobody wants accountability, Mike. They all want money. I mean, to wear a button that says fourteen thirteen for the BSA increase, you're living, you're not living in reality. <clears throat> you literally aren't living in reality, Mike. I mean, I, I just can't believe that people are buying this. You just when, can't fathom it. You just can't. I, I just I can't. can't fathom. <laughs> Mike Showers is our yeah. guest, uh, State Senator District O. We're going to continue here. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Mike Showers, our guest, uh, ready, ready to dive into this. Uh David Boyle is in the chat room. He says, require the school districts to provide the numbers of students transported each month, the actual number, on a daily basis to the state, then fund the actual transport costs. This was the way it was done years ago. He also said, uh, uh, wait, where did he say? Um, uh, uh, he said uh, something about... Uh, doing the monthly numbers, you know, for the attendance, you know, get the monthly numbers for attendance instead of, uh, you know, instead of this biennial or one time a year. And of course, as we point out, they haven't even released those numbers yet. I mean, they haven't even released the numbers uh, for how many students are even in the schools because they're, they're, they're worried. I'm sure it shows lower than they expected. Take attendance every month like it was done in the past, I mean, you know, and report it to the state for your funding if that's what you want to do but they they don't want to put those numbers out there they don't want any accountability give us all the money and we'll take care of it from there we want all the money trust none us. of the strings trust us just trust us right the performance of alaska on the whole is 49th in the nation now we've enacted last year year before the read by nine acts so and maybe that's going to help turn some of that around i would hope but I was talking to another legislator yesterday, looking at the school district and having a discussion with somebody from their district um, and in the administrative side, they were complaining about how they need more money, right? Of course, it's always we need more money. And they were talking about, well, you know, we're losing kids right now, you know, and they're being homeschooled and put in charter schools, you know, et cetera. And the legislators looking at going, that's your fault. You look at the pie chart, almost three quarters of their spending, Mike, is on personnel. Personnel. Whose fault is that? Is that the fault of the children? Is that the fault of the parents? Is that the fault of the state that continues to fully fund the BSA and always has? And if, in fact, for many years now, has been adding extra to the uh, amount of spending just one time, year after year after year. No, that's the fault of the school districts. And the choices they're making and the NEA and other big unions pushing for it. And the point the legislators make looking at said, 
why are the certain parents, especially more, you know, maybe center and right that are more traditional for, hey, the point of school is reading, writing, arithmetic, actually learning those skills. It's not woke garbage and looking at the thing with something like, you know, um, we teach students life skills or, you know, success in life or something. It's like, how come it doesn't say we teach students reading, writing, and arithmetic? We teach them the building blocks for, you know, for um, being able to get a job, you know, I mean, to work and get into the workforce to, if they're going to go to college. But it was like it was basically one of the we're going to teach them, you know, social justice and uh, how to be better. It's like, what? You look at your own mission statement and go, that's part of the problem because you're not right. teaching kids the basics anymore. You're teaching them social justice you're teaching them life success skills you're teaching them that a man can get pregnant and that a woman can be a man and a man can be a and you wonder why parents are ripping their kids out of the public school system how can you even possibly consider not consider that what you're pushing and what you're teaching and air quotes is the problem as when it comes to spending and three quarters of your spending is already on personnel. Yeah. Not kids, not classroom personnel. Oh, right. Three quarters is low. Oh. I think it's up in the 85th percentile, if I'm not mistaken, for what the cost of personnel is in the, in these budgets. I mean, this is, and which is the way it is quite honestly, in any budget, in any business budget or anything else, the personnel always make up the lion's share, but they're on the high side and basically they're just, this is all about give me the money with no accountability. So, that's I agree. It. Oh, I, saw, I heard the ding. Yeah, no, that's it. No, no, that's fine. We're we're getting ready to do it. We're doing it right now. So <laughs> shut up. Uh, okay, we're gonna jump into this. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell. Um, again, half of you have liked the show. I don't know why you dislike me. I'm going to beg a little bit more. Like and share, because that helps get other people involved. That's what we need to do. Here we go. Jumping back into it right now. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. Continuing on, Mike Shower is our guest. <clears throat> Uh, we've been talking about education and the fact that, you know, I mean, at some point, Mike, I got to start thinking like, well, maybe we just give them everything they want and just watch the state, you know, come apart uh, because that's the only way that they're, I mean, that's, is that how they're going to learn? Is that what needs to happen? Give them everything. And then all of a sudden when they painted themselves into a corner and realized that there is no more money, um, then maybe there's a revolution at the polls. I don't know. I mean, I, it, you know. Because it just seems like this fight keeps going on and on. Nobody's asking. I mean, Justin Ruffridge got up and asked during that education meeting, okay, who's going to pay for all this? How's, it, how's this all going to be paid for? And he got no answers. So kudos to him. I mean, he got a, he got a, at least he asked the question of who pays. Um, but nobody else is really asking that question. It's all, it's for the children. That should be the answer. It's for the children. <clears throat> But it's not even getting into yeah. the classroom. I mean, how is it for the children if it's not getting into the classroom? It's interesting, Mike, that uh, that comment was made because last year on the floor, 
when I put in the amendment for the statutory PFD and then the 50-50 PFD, which is a little less, um, and of course got voted down by including some Democrats that have always said they staunchly support and have always voted for the full PFD, did not vote for it. When that vote, I think, was like 15 to 5 or something like that. Um, I had several of them come up to me and ask, how are you going to pay for it? They want to know where the money is going to come from. So they're concerned about how we're going to pay for a PFD all of a sudden. But they're not concerned how we're going to pay for all this stuff. Do you see the juxtaposition of their positions for what they have been saying versus what it really comes down to, what they're really going to do and what they really mean? As long as they can get away with voting for the PFD, and it's not going to cost them anything with their various constituencies, and I'm talking big unions and the, the groups that support them, et cetera, to get them elected and reelected, Mike. But this time around, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, it's how we pay for it is irrelevant. I mean, you know, we got to pass it so we can know what's in it. we got to pass it so we can pay for it. Mike, it's, <laughs> I cope. it's just simple formula. It's just math, and it's not hard math. It's just basically addition. You know, those things we're not teaching kids in school because we're too busy teaching social justice when we should be teaching basic math because clearly the Alaska legislature needs some lessons on basic math because we can't do it very well, right? Like I was talking to you or somebody this last week, I said, you, the, at least the PFD, at least, I think I was on sound off talking about that. At least the PFD might can go up and down, right? If the stock market performs poorly, the checks get smaller. Because there's less money available, everybody goes up. That's the way it is. Stock market goes up, there's more earnings. Hey, there's a bigger PFT check. Yay, us, right? But that's not what's happening here. The cost we're talking about, and to answer your question, are with us forever. Do you think they're going to care as long as they get their fancy defined benefit plan so they're getting paid until they die once they're vested in the system? It doesn't matter. It's not their problem, Mike. It's not their problem. They're, they're getting their money. Well, all the only problems could be well, state how they're going to pay for it because this stuff is with us forever and it doesn't go up and down. These are not variable costs like the PFD that can go up or down if we have to. We're stuck with these costs, Mike. These are fixed costs the state is going to have to pay. Our kids and grandkids are going to get stuck with this. And there's nothing we can do about it because once we lock this stuff in, we're basically tying the hands of future legislatures, future governors, future everything including our kids and grandkids and you can't get rid of it because you've now obligated yourself mike these are obligations for the state liabilities just like the defined benefit versus defined contribution the defined contribution plan does not put this on the state's back forever because we every month they write the checks then we're done with it and when that worker can take it at any point and be gone and it's their money cash is king but dp means they're locked into the state forever means the state's paying for them until they die. It doesn't go away. So what we are doing, Mike, is setting up a tsunami of liabilities for this debt, for this state for debt, to the point where we are not going to be able to afford it. We are going to bankrupt our children. When you want to say it's for the children, oh, this is for the children, all right, just not in a good way. Right. And, and, and they're, Mike, most of them aren't even batting an eye. They're not flinching. Thank God for the House Republicans and their majority trying to hold on to this, Mike. Hopefully they'll hold the line. I know they're still talking about about a $300 BSA increase and, and adding some things that Republicans, at least some Republicans, maybe not the Senate, want to see, you know, as far as charter schools and some other attachments to the, the bill, you know, and, and I really wish there was a way for us to target individual school districts that really need the increase and go, you know what? 
they need it because of the cost of food and fuel and electricity and all that stuff out there because they're way out of the bush. They get a 500, you know, these five school districts out of 54 get a $500 BSA. You know, the rest of them, everybody else should get a $100 BSA because that's inflation, just, you know, something, whatever. Point being, pulled apart. That's not, we can't do it like that, Mike. We got to give $300 or $500 or whatever it is to every district, including the ones like Anchorage that are shrinking, losing students, and building more buildings, doing everything exactly backwards for reality. We got to give it to them all. It's like the PFD. There's no means test. There's no anything else can't be variable based on how much income you make. I mean, we are, our hands are so tied in doing this and they just literally seem to be disconnected from reality. Mike, I don't know what else to say. Right. The math doesn't add up. Well, it doesn't. Let's talk about the defined benefits program for a minute uh, because, uh, you know, surprisingly this bill passed out of the Senate with no fiscal note. Um, something that, I mean, which ought to throw every red flag on the board uh, just for that alone, because the previous defined benefits program caused us to be thirteen thousand uh, dollars upside down in unfunded liability, and we're still paying that off. It's still six to seven billion dollars in unfunded liability, um, and so you know the fact that they passed this out without a fiscal note, that the finance co-chair uh, Bert Stedman, credit where credits due, he stood up and said, "I can't vote for this. This is, I mean, this makes no. We have no idea." And then later on, Lyman Hoffman, the other co-chair, reconsidered and said no on his vote, which I thought was clever because now he could vote for it and against it at the same time. But I mean, you've got both finance co-chairs basically saying no, and they're pushing it forward with no fiscal note. How can you vote on something when you have no idea? what it's actually going to cost in the future. That, I mean, that is mind-boggling. I don't know, Mike. I couldn't vote for it. <laughs> so my vote on the board was a no um, because it doesn't make sense. It's not the best path forward. It's not what the new younger generation wants to see. Um, it's, it's a liability to the state forever. It's saddling our kids with more debt. There's just not one thing about this that is, in my opinion, is better. You can, as I said, from talking to a, a former arm board member, you can make the defined contribution plan one of the best in the country. If we pay what we're paying into the defined benefit plan that we already had and, and we weren't still paying for it because we're so far behind, you know, the defined contribution plan could be amazing. And we'd, we wouldn't have any problem with workers because, you know, by the way, it's not true. There's plenty of data to show that, you know, retaining, recruiting and retaining is not really enhanced by defined benefit versus defined contribution. Now, I will tell you, I've said this before and I want to be clear. I have consistently said if you could limit this just to first responders, you know, like troopers, um, you know, firefighters, the ones that have to, the ones that live in actual dangerous life are usually beaten up by the time they're in their early 40s. They're kind of done, kind of like being in the military, right? Um, I've always said I could support that. It's a small group. It, it doesn't cost much relatively. Um, and it's more about taking care of them because I've got a case of just introduced a couple recently that got one shot, one stabbed, probably can't work anymore, and they've got nothing because now they can't work as a trooper, right? And, uh, you know, hazards of the job. And they're kind of stuck out there in the cold with nothing. So 
the there are certain categories that I could live with. And I told you before, I think I think I might said I, I was working with Senator Von Inhofe before she left the legislature and she had a, a plan for the first responders and it was really good. And it almost was it was basically cost neutral. She's about at that point of making it cost neutral because she asked for my help towards the end of the session. And I, I could live with that one, Mike, because it's a different category. Those are people run to the sound of the gunfire. They run into burning buildings. They get shot, stabbed, burned chemical exposures, not your average office worker of the 37,000 people they want to put on this. It's about 3,500. I could live with that because that is that is different. Um, and I've always said that. But here's the problem. Every time we go down that path, what happens? The old Christmas tree. Oh, well, these workers, need, everybody needs to find benefits. Well, you know what? You break the bank. doesn't work. And why would I equate what a trooper or a firefighter goes through to what an office worker that shows up nine to five, five days a week goes through. There's no comparison to me, Mike, at all. And and that's as far as I'm willing to go. And that's that really is a recruitment, retention, take care of them, people that take care of us kind of a thing. But for the rest of it, it just doesn't, it doesn't, there's no persuasive argument to me about doing that and the data doesn't support it. So I will make that one caveat, but I don't think it matters because every time we're going to go down this path, the Democrats, certain Republicans, the lobbyists, the unions, they're going to Christmas tree it and make sure that every single state worker right. gets that benefit because that's, you know what that is at the end of the day for them, Mike? That's more votes. Right. That's more dedicated. We're going to vote for that candidate, right? We're going to vote for the union to get more of our money because then that makes the union more powerful. That That's ultimately what this is. It really is. Well, Public it's, Sector Employee Union Alaska is amazingly powerful because 37,000 workers out of about 300,000 workers in the state, that's a big percentage. I think one of the highest in the nation for a state, for well, the amount of state workers inside the state. Right. I mean, the frustrating thing is, is initially this whole discussion started out around first responders, but it immediately ballooned into something else. And now it's not just mm-hmm. state employees. Now they're talking about bringing municipal employees on top of it and everything. I mean, th- th- again, mm-hmm. with no answers as to what it's going to cost. Now, thank God that the House majority appears to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, standing against this. And I would hope the governor would uh, would, you know, weigh in on this as well. But this thing is... I mean, this is a hot mess. This is a hot, hot mess, and we don't have <clears throat> we don't have a, a a counterpoint to this. They're just basically ramming it through. So go back and add the math, Mike. Like I said, add this to the BSA increase. Add this to the already on the books contract increases. Add it to any other bills that are going to be a little bit here and a little bit there. Mike, when do you look at this and go, we're California? We're going to be so far underwater that we are hopeless to recover. When you add again, I go back to that. Where do the taxes have to come from? They have to come from the private sector. We're lucky we have the permanent fund in one sense because it's allowed us to grow. Maybe we're not lucky because it's allowed us to grow, right? Take the counterpoint and go, geez, if we didn't have the permanent fund and the permanent fund dividend, the state government could not have grown because it already would have reached a permanent limit. I go on, there was no more taxes you can take without destroying the yep, state. Yep. No, if we a, were having, if we had a, you know, so maybe it wasn't a, it's a double edged sword. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's a double edged sword. I mean, it was great because we got our share of the revenue value for this collectively owned thing, but at the same time, it allowed government to grow so much that we, right. you know, we have no, we have no control over that right now. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's astonishing. Mike Shower is our guest. Yeah. We're going to continue here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. 
We will uh, have Mike uh, continue with us one final segment here. Wow, this is the fastest two hours in radio. We're back with more here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Your mental suppository. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, <clears throat> Mike Shower is our guest. Um, um, I'm just going through this thing right there. Uh, and Terry says, and the office worker sits there for half the day reading a book because they don't have enough to do. Direct for my niece, she says, who's a state worker. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I hear some of that. And it's... Uh, I got I got a story about state worker entitlement that I just got exposed to the last couple of days. I'm just like, uh, it, it blows my mind out there. This is the statement that I think you were referencing, Michael, uh, that I just found. I saw this the other day um, and uh, I wanted to comment on it because you were talking about the school districts and what, you know, they're not really teaching what they should be. Um, David Boyle posted this up for me. He said, this is from the uh, school district budget book. It says, moreover, we are committed to supporting the holistic well-being of our students and staff. This include practices that promote mental and behavioral health, trauma-informed approaches, social emotional learning, and restorative justice practices. Where's the reading and writing and arithmetic? I mean, we've got a, you know, we've got a one out of four kids failing out of school altogether, even with the lowered standards. We're, we're 49th on scholastic achievement uh, on all these things, but they're worried about social, uh, social emotional learning and health, uh, you know, trauma informed approaches and all this kind of, I mean, it's just this buzzword uh, soup of, you know, stuff. What about teaching them how to learn? That's my question. Well, I, again, you go back to a school administrator saying, well, we're losing kids. We need more money to make up for the loss of kids. You're not going to get those kids back when the parents look at it and go, I'm not putting my kid in that garbage. Like you just said, that that's the most important question, isn't it? Where's the learning for reading, writing, and arithmetic? the building blocks for a successful life that everybody, every student needs to be successful. They don't need social justice. They don't need to learn that a, a man can be pregnant, which you can't, of course, but that's what they've bought into. And the entire education system in the U.S., all the way up through our vaunted colleges, are teaching this garbage. And so you have parents that are going, nope, ain't paying for that. Not putting my student in that, my kid in that. So is it any wonder that many parents across the country are rebelling, that many parents have woken up in a good way, not the other woke, and they're taking over school boards and they're taking over their kids' education? Because they're looking at it, Mike, and going, this is garbage. You're not teaching my kid what they need to be successful. You're teaching them somebody's idea of, you know, it's like talking about race and what, like what Morgan Freeman said. As long as you continue to mention race, every day and every conversation and keep it at the forefront of everybody's thought on TV and print and media. Everything you say is race. We're never going to get over race because they won't let it go. If you're going to teach kids this garbage, a lot of parents are going to go, nope, they ain't doing that because you're not actually teaching my kid what they need to know. You're teaching them social justice and diversity, equity, and inclusion, and God knows what else. And you're teaching them that, you know, 
it's okay for a boy to be a girl and a girl to be a boy that that isn't somebody that might need some counseling and some help because maybe they're confused with their gender dysphoria. Nope. We're going to say that's normal. And we're going to have boys going into girls locker rooms and maybe they're not all really doing that. Right. I mean, just Mike, it's literally like a mental disorder. I think it was Michael Savage that said that liberalism is a mental disorder and I'm, I'm kind of making fun of that, but Mike, the things they're saying and doing, it does make you scratch your head, doesn't it? And going, how can you think this way? How can you think this is normal or good for the direction you're taking us? I don't. That's why part of why I can't support this. I just, it's, uh, it makes you scratch your head sometimes. Was that old song from the 80s? I think it was. This is the things that make you go, hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Things that make you go, hmm, that uh, that's pretty much that's that should be the theme song for the entire legislature at this point. <clears throat> I, uh, yeah. you know, and, and again, this is another reason why I homeschooled all my kids. I could see this coming down the pike. I could see what was happening. I was, you know, fell back on my own school experiences and some of the uh, and some of the the biases that I saw in school, even 35 years ago, against more conservative or libertarian ideals. And I was like, I, you know, I just don't, I, I, you know, I had friends who were teachers who retired and said, we're not going to do that anymore because I can't stand the system as it is. And I got the straight dope from those teachers who were like, we just can't do this anymore. And that's when I said, OK, I'm just going to. And, and we're seeing it now. I mean, COVID was the blessing in the fact that it opened up a lot of people's eyes to what the school districts and what the edu- education industry was all about, which was the education industry. It wasn't about producing a good product. It wasn't about the, you know, the, the benefit and the well-being of the kids. It was making sure that they all had jobs, high paying jobs that continued into infinity. That's what it was all about. Um. All right. We're going to we're going to I mean, I, I would say we're going to give Michael his take him off the leash, but I, I think he's already been there so far. But we've got one final segment here ahead. Mike, you can uh, take and talk about whatever you want. We'll uh, jump into it here. Folks, like it, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all that kind of stuff. Let's get it going on the Michael Duke show. Okay, we're back. One final segment of the program here this morning as we get ready to go. Mike Schauer is our guest, state senator from District O. He joins us to talk about, uh, well, we've talked about defined benefits. We've talked about the education system. Uh, There's uh, other things going on in there, but that's really what's sucking up all the oxygen in the room. Mike, uh, I want to give you your your thoughts, you know, your, your, your final segment here. Anything we haven't talked about or anything else that you want to take on, here's the time to uh, here's the time to go. So I, I give you the floor. We'll knock on a couple. Um, I do want to finish up. I think math we did somewhere between thirty-five to forty million dollars a day per day is what the state spends for operations. So it's not chump change, Michael. It matters. There is a bill that just came up. I think it was for Juneteenth Day to uh, do that as a as a state holiday, and it was interesting to watch some of the. Um, uh committee hearings as we're you know because like we so i don't have any committees we just kind of watch everything we either go in person or watch them on tv we got multiples up try to you know keep your fingers on the pulse 
And uh, one of the questions that was asked by somebody was pretty interesting because it's like, you know, well, the fiscal note says like one and a half million. That's just for overtime, Mike. It was um, not accurate. The actual number for that, for what it was going to cost the state was more like $10 million. That's just one little bill. One little, little innocuous bill, another $10 million, you know, add that to the BSA increase. So it could be half, half a billion, add it to a hundred billion for that. And another 50 million for that. Do you see where we're going with this, Mike? I mean, the money is just, and it's always a little here and a little there, right? I mean, often it's not one big thing that gets you. It's the trail of tears. I mean, how many people sell their soul to the devil at once? Right. Virtually nobody. Right. They do it a little bit at a time. A million right? here, a million there. Pretty soon you're talking about real money, right? Real money. That's right. So there's some other stuff out there that I think is important. Um, House Bill 3 from uh, Representative Kevin McCabe. That's the gold and silver one. Uh, that's coming up in testimony. I'm going to tell you this one real quick because that's kind of a, a good one that, you know, maybe they can get some public testimony. That is coming up on, oh, shoot, Thursday. So tomorrow, uh, 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. Um, so there's public testimony on that in Senate State Affairs. So that'd be a good one if people want to call in and support that to be able to use, you know, gold and silver as legal tendle, tender, excuse me. Um, Sarah Vance uh, got her bill through for uh, voter registration um and got like 33 votes in the house that was a pretty big deal um that was good news just you know it's, it's, it's a small thing but it's a step in the right direction right at least it's some movement we'll see about the senate now it's got to get through senate state affairs and senate judiciary and who knows how that'd go um but you know there was some movement on some election um integrity improvements and that you know our voter rolls we've been mike we've been saying this for six years in our office we were the first ones to bring it up we're overinflated, sometimes well, well north of 100% of eligible voters are actually um, uh, eligible to vote. <laughs> so it's like, well, how did we get an right. extra 100,000 people like to vote in Alaska? That's not right. But, you know, we don't clean the rolls. And then, strangely, we have a lieutenant governor that decides during the COVID pandemic to mass mail out ballots to all those people. Really? Dude, seriously? I mean, Look at the problems with that, Mike. I mean, there's some recommendations, if I could ever get my hands on them, about things we should or shouldn't have done. And that, But that publicly taxpayer-paid-for report, I can't get my hands on it without signing an NDA, nor can anybody else. So look at the problems with some of this, Mike. We're trying a little bit of time, but there is some good news. Like I said, the RCV repeal, ranked choice voting, hopefully that's going to make it on the ballot. Hopefully the lieutenant governor, the current lieutenant governor's office will look at that and get it certified and get it on the ballot. Um, I heard through the grapevine that the Department of Elections, we got 60 days to validate it. We're going to take 60 days. I'm like, really? That's not why one of the reasons people are frustrated with government, right? Because you got to take every last minute when you don't have to. Right, right. So, right. Right. I mean, you wonder why people are frustrated with government, Mike? No. What's the answer? Hey, can I? No. I'd like, no, my property's not, you're going to pay anyways. Hey, we'd like to see that report as soon as possible. You'll get it in 60 days, like it or not. Please, you know, sir, smedley. can I have so, some more? Um, I, if it pleases the king, may I exercise my rights? Yeah, right. So uh, um, Senator Hughes is getting some good support for her uh, Safe Schools Act, which would allow people that are qualified and trained up to uh, carry. Uh, concealed carry in schools as first responders, basically. Um, so there's some really good bills 
that are out there. I've got a couple, Mike, they're just not going to move. The Senate body's not going to even let one of them through any committee. So it's kind of irrelevant on that side right now. But the good news, like I said, is the House, I mean, from one perspective, there's a lot of other great ideas. People are doing some amazing stuff, trying to get it done and following the lead of some other states that are doing some amazing things like Georgia just this last week or two just voted to make ranked choice voting illegal. They can't enact it in their state. Other states are trying to do the same thing. Um, we just need to repeal it to show people, the nation, that we actually don't like it, and it doesn't work well, and it is confusing and not popular. Um, and when you have twice as many Republicans um, registered in a state as you do Democrats, but the Democrat wins, maybe there's a problem with that system, right? I mean, you know, at least in some states, the numbers are somewhat equal. But my right. gosh, Mike, look at this. Seriously. Twice as many Republicans and you elect a Democrat. That's what ranked choice voting was designed to do. The liberal white elites that designed it did it for a reason. So don't give me that garbage and say it's fair, it's better. No, it's not. And as I've told you guys many times, it's one of the most elegant voter suppression schemes I've ever seen. So I won't go down that path and kick that dead horse again today. But I just want to point out there are some good bills. I hope people won't give up. I mean, call look look through the list of bills coming up. The House majority uh, press folks are putting out releases when the bills are coming. Some of the legislators are that they're you know you, we'd like to have ten or fifteen or fifty people sign up and testify. Because would you like to see how many people are testifying for the BSA increase and the defined benefits, Mike? <laughs> and you got thirty-seven thousand workers, yeah. and the unions are telling them call in at this time to this thing and say this. Well, yeah, well, it's 90 percent in favor because the average citizen out there in the private sector, which is most of us, they don't they don't have that kind of notice. They don't have a union telling them when to call in and exactly what to say and where to say it and where to send your mass emails that they send out on a on a form. That's part of what we're facing, Mike. I mean, the people here know it in the building. They know they're going to get all kinds of union support and for these different things. So when we have public testimony, it's 100 percent for the, you know, half a billion dollar increase of spending. And why is that? Because the unions and the special interest groups, they spin up their contact list and they get them to call in. And the, the good people on your show, well, they don't hear about all that and they don't call in. And it's a, it's a handful of people that are still staying active and trying to make a difference. So right. I just ask you, don't right. give up. Stay, stay in the fight, folks. Call in. Try to pay attention to what's going on um, and call them when you can because it's not – all bad news. Like I said, repeal of ranked choice voting would be huge. Um, some voter integrity stuff like clean up the rolls would be amazing. McCabe's uh, gold and silver bill so we could actually use legal tender would be awesome. There's some really good things out there moving um, that people are there that are working on. Parts and pieces of the comprehensive fiscal policy are moving through the House. Nothing moving through the Senate. Go, go figure. But, you know, it's moving through the House. So, you know, I go back to Mike. I have to scratch my head sometimes when I look at some of the Republicans in the Senate majority that are clearly distressed um, about having to deal with these spending things and I'm looking at it going, well, whose fault is that? You sidelined the three Republican conservatives in the Senate that would have joined gladly with all of you and learned how to work together and gotten past the past. Get over it, folks. Time to get past your petty personality differences and govern. But whose fault is it, Mike, that those Republicans are dealing with nine Democrats and that whole spending mess and all that garbage? It's their fault. They made the choice to join with them. If you would have joined with Senator Hughes, Myers, and myself, we would have a Republican-controlled majority. We would have Republican control of the, of the policy committees and the other stuff, and they wouldn't be dealing with this craziness because we would stop it before it got that far. 
So whose fault is it, Mike? Not our fault. We could have easily solved this and we would have a Republican-controlled Senate, a Republican-controlled House, and a Republican governor. Imagine what we could be getting done right now had we done that. Where we would be. Where would we be right now? Where... (laughs) Uh, I mean, this is all the this is this is the question, right? I mean, where would we be if we could have fixed all of these issues? I mean, the fiscal policy thing is what really kills me. These people are, you know, they they, they keep talking about all these things and they continue to ignore the fact that these costs are going to just destroy us. They continue to, you know, when you try and put something in like accountability for money spent, they poo-poo you. When you ask them who's going to pay for it, they, they, you know, they obfuscate and they deflect. And there's no answers for any of that. Well, because in a lot of cases, Mike, the answers aren't good. They know the answers are good, so they don't want to say them. Because if they say what the real answers are, it's going to shoot down their ideas. I mean, they're not going to be successful passing these things, right? I mean, Mike, I mean, come on, you you send a majority of Republicans, the state does, the, the citizens of the state, and then they join with Democrats. And then we get this craziness and they're looking around trying to, oh, yeah, whatever, I'm like, but you guys did this. You made these choices. The reason we are here dealing with these things is because you people decided to join with Democrats instead of three conservative Republicans which is why we're dealing with this mess right now, Mike, because if we had Republican majority control, we wouldn't be dealing with this. The House wouldn't be having to deal with this mess. The governor wouldn't ultimately have to be dealing with this mess. We send more Republicans to the House House and the Senate in Alaska, and this happens to us every year. Every year, one of the bodies goes Democrat majority control, even though there's less Democrats. It's insanity with this entire thing. It just it just boggles your mind. And then I look at the Republican Party and they go, well, we're just interested in getting people with ours in front of their name. Like, what good is that? Well, and what it's good not is the Republican look, it's Party not even, that's not going to stand? Exactly. That's the problem. This is not an R and or D problem. This is a big government versus small government problem. That's who it is. I don't care what they have. Republicans are just as much to blame in many instances as everyone else, if not more so in some cases. Mike, uh, we're out of time. Thanks for coming on board. We'll give you a final bite here. Appreciate you being part of it today. Of course. Folks, uh, we got more coming up tomorrow. Uh, I'm working on some guests. I don't know who, but we're going to work on it. Chris Chang on Friday. Be kind, love one another, live well. The Michael Duke Show. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, I wanted to give you a final bite because you were working up ahead of steam, but I was up against the clock there. I mean, <clears throat> again, this is this is a problem, and you know, I, I was like, I clapped when I saw that Ann Brown is is resigning from the Republican Party as the chair. That's great. Although I've seen the candidates that are up there for her replacement, I'm not impressed so far. Um, I, you know, again, I don't think we can look to the Republicans to save this. This has got to be. We need more smaller government folks in there. And I don't care, quite honestly, if they're Democrats, Libertarians, Republicans, Green Party members, AIP, whoever. The problem is, is we got people who believe that they know better than us and that all money should go to government. And it really doesn't matter what the party affiliation is. Well, I mean, I I can't really argue against that just because that's what we're seeing here. So, I mean, the results you know, show you what you're really dealing with versus what you think you might be dealing with. So how somebody campaigns and what they say during the campaign, what they say they believe in, you know, you'd expect a lot of people as they do 
well, they said they're Republicans, so they must believe in these party principles and the platform. Well, not really, you know, because if you're a Republican that says you're a fiscal conservative, but you're pushing for defined benefits and voting for a massive BSA increase, well, that's that doesn't fit Republican principles. You're unsustainably growing government. How can you possibly say you're Republican? Why don't you just put a D in front of your name? They don't mind spending. They want big government. They want massive spending. That puts people on the hook. That's more votes for them. They want people on the government plantation. So I, I, I don't understand how some people can look at this and go, well, you know, that's, that's this problem over here. I go, no, it's our problem. It is. The Republican Party has its issues, Mike, because it does nothing but support the same candidates over and over again. Um, that don't live up to Republican values. So, you know, and I understand every district's not the same. We've said that before. Look, Kodiak is not Fairbanks, is not Matt Sue, is not Juno, is not Anchorage. I get it. I give that room. I, it's like I don't broad brush education anymore and say the system because it's not all equal. Some of them are actually doing a pretty decent job. I look at the Matsu, you know, they're actually doing really good on spending and, and reining stuff in and a lot of charter schools. And, that, you know, so they're not all the same. I get that. Um, and not all Republican, not all districts are the same. I get that there's going to be a different type of candidate or elected official. You know, that's okay. That's fine. If we would actually work together when we were there. So it is it is a bit frustrating, of course. And that's where I think it hammers some of your guests that get tired. But I will continue to say this every program. I just hope they don't give up, Mike, because yeah. that's yeah. exactly what some people want. They want you to give up. So they can do whatever they want. The press will dutifully report only what the press is told to report. So they still have access and they won't ask the hard questions like they should. And it'd be a black hole in Juno that the party continues and nobody will down there be, be down there waving the flag and going, guys, look at this. Look at this. We need the press to be more investigative and more pushy in asking the hard questions. We need people out there to not give up. We need good candidates to run. We need a lot of things. Right. And all you and I can do is sit here and continue to hammer away at it and hope that, you know, we chip away at the foundation. Yeah, that's that's well, you fight the battles that you're given, Mike. That's, you all, that's the best you can do. And you're right. We can't stop. We can't grow weary and well doing. We just got to keep going on. Got to keep going on. All right. Well, Mike Shower, as always, my friend, thanks so much. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Huh? Sounds good. See ya. All right. Thank you, my friend. OK, folks, we're out of time. Got to go. Tomorrow's another day. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.